0: Greetings to Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright. And this is the video teaching series, How to Pray Like the Apostles Prayed, Lesson 1. Uh, this video series is uh, intended to look at the scripture and to examine not only how the apostles prayed, but what they taught about prayer understanding that what they taught about prayer and how they practiced prayer, they received directly from Jesus. He's the one that demonstrated prayer to them. He's the one that taught them how to pray. Even Paul was taught by Jesus because he said he was one born out of due season. And the Lord taught him directly and personally. And so everything that is taught by the apostles and everything they practice on prayer it came from Jesus, so when I'm wanting to learn to pray like the apostles prayed, then uh, I'm wanting to learn how to pray like Jesus prayed, like the Bible said. So that brings us to the subject of of lesson one, uh, and the title of this lesson is biblical prayer. Not what what is prayer, not what is prayer, but what is Biblical prayer, and uh, this lesson is going to be a little different than others to follow. This lesson, I felt very directed of God to do this. This this lesson is a a a short compilation of many of the things that the Lord has spoken to me in prayer about prayer that I simply wrote down in my iPad on the Note app uh, over the years, and some of the things that I will be uh, uh, reading, commenting on. Uh, the Lord gave me years ago and some just in the last, uh, few days. So this is, this is all, uh, uh it's all of that. So this one is, this, uh, lesson is going to have a whole lot more reading in it than, uh, the lessons to follow. But I'm praying that you will stay with me. Uh, I'm going to say this. Some of these statements are very challenging. Some would call them negative. There's no purpose to be negative. The purpose is to challenge, to challenge myself. And to let the the Lord use me to challenge you, to challenge your thinking, to challenge your practices, to challenge, are you obeying the word of God? Am I obeying the word of God? So biblical prayer, biblical prayer cannot be quantified by prayer times or hours prayed, not true biblical prayer. Neither can it be defined by temporal or religious standards or liturgy. Neither is it confined by the clock or controlled by the calendar, and neither is it measured by quantity of words spoken. Now, over the years, all of these things to some degree have been used to talk about prayer and to practice prayer. None of those things are scriptural. None of them. Biblical prayer is spiritual and supernatural. God is a spirit. Therefore, true communion with him cannot be natural. So, True prayer, biblical prayer, is supernatural. Biblical prayer is not a task. It's not an obligation. It's not a discipline. It's not an exercise. It is first and foremost a relationship or fellowship with God. And second, it is ministry because God prays through us for his will, his purposes in the earth biblical prayer cannot be prayed without first making a supernatural connection with the father. Not doing so would be like talking on the phone with no one on the other end of the line, which is an exercise in futility, frustration and failure. So I can hold my phone up and act like I'm talking, but there's nobody there. And I can say I'm talking on the phone. Well, I guess literally you can say you're talking on the phone, but if there's nobody there, you know good and well and everybody knows you're not really talking on the phone because the phone is not working unless there's somebody on the other end of the line. So prayer that is not founded upon and begun by be either affirming the connection between you and God or myself and God or establishing the connection today between the Lord and I. And it's not the same every day. Uh, it's not prayer. It can't be prayer. And again, as simplistic as this sounds, if it's not prayer, I'm not talking on the phone if I'm, if there's nobody on the other end of the line. I'm not praying if I'm not connected to God. Now, next point. God cannot fail. Therefore, biblical prayer cannot fail. Now, if our prayer is not working, we might want to consider that we're trying to talk to someone that either we have not connected with or that we don't know, or that in this context, we're talking to him about things that are contrary to his will. Prayer is not an alternative alternate form of the proverbial wishing well either. Prayer is not a game show or buying a religious lottery ticket. It's none of those things. Again, if it is not a religious exercise or obligation, it is... Prayer is not a religious exercise or obligation. It is not dull, lifeless, or boring. It is vibrant and dynamic. It is true communication, fellowship, and partnership with the one who created the universe. How can I be in communication with, fellowshipping with, and be a conduit for the one who created the universe and it be boring? So if prayer is boring, if it's lightless, if it's a chore, The first place you've got to look is whether or not you're even connected with God in that communication. Again, prayer is supernatural and powerful and can impact the world when prayed by those who have truly given themselves to him. Next point, prayer is a privilege. Prayer was never intended to be our access to God to get him to fix everything we don't like and to force him to do what we want him to do. Prayer is not our key to unlock the proverbial horn of plenty. Prayer is not an obligatory religious exercise, vainly and tediously repeating words which have little to no real meaning or value to us. Biblical prayer is the path of life, Psalm 1611. That will show me the path of life and thy presence is fullness of joy at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. First, prayer connects us to God so that we can fellowship with him With the one who is the true, the one who is the one true and living God. Prayer lets us connect with and fellowship with the one who is the one true and living God. And no wonder David said, and Peter quoted him, that in thy presence is fullness of joy. Not just joy, fullness of joy, meaning there's no greater expression of joy, no greater capacity for joy, there's no greater joy than being in his presence. Second, prayer allows us to be positioned in God so that we can be a conduit of his will, his authority, and his power in the earth. So we connect with God. We fellowship with God. We are positioned in God through our our connection and fellowship with God. And through that positioning in God, we now are conduits for him to pray through us his will, his authority, and his power in the earth. Praise God. Biblical prayer is powerful and effective. The only one who can defeat it is the prayerless believer. No one can defeat biblical prayer. It is powerful and it is effective except one. The only one who can defeat biblical prayer is the one that claims that they're a child of God and is prayerless. No wonder the adversary works so hard to get us not to pray. But ultimately, whether or not we pray is a product of us surrendering our will to God and willingly, happily doing the will of our Father. Preacher, saint, are we... Saying that we are too busy to pray is an oxymoron, and it's impossible. Too busy doing God's work to talk to God about it? Right. We're too busy doing God's work to pray. Too many people to counsel, too much studying and sermon preparation, too much planning, too much labor involved. I don't have time, I don't have time to pray. It's impossible. If I'm too busy to pray doing God's work, I'm too busy doing God's work to pray, huh, I'm too busy doing stuff that God's not sanctioning and he's not blessing. Preacher, saint, a token prayer life can only produce and empower a token ministry. If I have a token prayer life, the value of whatever God does through me is token or whatever I'm doing for God is just a token. Preacher, saint, we can be eloquent without having personally a biblical prayer life. We can be eloquent. We can, we can, preacher, we can be eloquent. We can write eloquent sermons. Without praying. But that's message. Hopefully it's a message. Or your sermon. As you call it. Will never have true power and authority with God. If it wasn't birthed in prayer. If it's not. Guided by prayer. If the study wasn't. Led by prayer. And the voice of God. And if it's not submitted to God in prayer. And if I haven't submitted myself to God before I minister that word from God, then it's of no value to me or God. The hireling preaches without really praying. I'm sorry, I didn't, this wasn't my words. I just wrote down what he gave me in prayer. So what's the difference between a shepherd and a hireling? Prayer, not preaching, not counseling, not how nice you are to the people, not how much time you invest in the people. The difference between a hireling and a shepherd all comes down to prayer. The hireling preaches without praying. The hireling attracts people to himself. The hireling wants everybody to like him. The hireling does not do the will of the father. The shepherd, the first priority every day of a true shepherd is to pray for the sheep for which he is accountable. Do we pray, preach to people we don't even pray for? Evangelist, do you spend more time praying for what you're going to preach to the people than praying for the people that you're about to preach to? Pastor, again, Do you spend more time shepherding people with your personality, with your intellect, than you do praying for them? Praying for them daily with focused prayer for the people that you're going to answer to God for, according to Hebrews 13, 17. Am I ministering to people I don't even pray for? Am I preaching to people that I don't pray for? Daily prayer, which participates with the Father in both fellowship and as his conduit of ministry, is the most important of all ministerial responsibilities for both the pastor and the saint. Putting anything ahead of daily prayer for the flock as a shepherd is a recipe for failure and the destruction of the flock. Or worse, if you succeed at drawing people to your personality and your oratory, then you become their savior because God isn't. Samuel, the shepherd, said, Samuel twenty three twelve. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. What did he say? What, what did Samuel, the prophet, the shepherd of Israel, say? What did he say? God forbid... That I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good in the right way. I can't teach people something that I don't do. Oh, I can give them intellectual information. But there's no certainty in it. There's no conviction. If I'm not convicted about it, they're not going to be convicted about it. If I'm preaching stuff I don't even really believe because I don't practice it because whatever I believe I'm going to practice and what I fail at practicing, I'm going to repent for and acknowledge that I've sinned. I can't preach to people stuff that I'm not practicing with conviction. The word conviction means they become convinced. But if I am convinced, then the Holy Ghost can use me as a conduit to preach conviction to them. Oh, my friend, one of the saddest things missing in so many places in the church today is the lack of conviction. There's no conviction in the church services, little to no conviction in the church services, little to no conviction in the preaching. People just sit and stare at you, or maybe they go through the Pentecostal gymnastics of making enough noise to drown you out so they don't have to sit and listen to you. You know, it's kind of hard to listen while your brain is engaged. It's not impossible, but it's hard to. Excuse me, not your brain. It's kind of hard to listen when your mouth is engaged. Sorry. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. But it's difficult. So if I'm yelling, Hallelujah, glory to God. Yeah, 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 yeah. The only time... I've ever really learned how to listen with my mouth engaged if I'm praying in tongues because my mind is and, and soul are listening while my spirit is praying with the Holy Ghost. I'm praying from a completely different place when I'm praying in tongues than I do when I'm praying in English. Okay. Having a pastor slash shepherd who puts his priority on his sermons rather than his prayer life walk with God puts the sheep in great jeopardy. No amount of great sermons can substitute for prayerless preaching which is spiritually dead. If I don't have the revelation understanding that prayer must be the first priority of my day every day, then I really know very little about Jesus or his word. I cannot know the word of God without knowing that according to the word of God, prayer is supposed to be my first priority every day. Praise God. I may be a professional church goer, but if prayer is not my daily priority, then I don't know God. And God doesn't know me, according to Matthew seven twenty one through 23. Prayer is the most important ministry of the church. Anything done without true biblical prayer as at its source and direction and empowerment is not blessed by God. In a New Testament context, only true prayer is the difference between Abel's acceptable sacrifice and Cain's rejected one from a New, Te- New Testament perspective of Cain and Abel. Cain, Cain Abel's offering was, is uh, first of the spirit, Cain's offering is of the flesh. The first is done by and through God, Abel's offering. The second is done by human will, effort, and intellect for God, Cain. Going through the motions of prayer or just putting in time praying is not prayer at all. The clock may say you've been there an hour, but if you haven't connected with God found the flow of his spirit in prayer, taking care of all obstacles in your life, grudges, unrepented sins, uncast cares, and self-will, so that you can get those things out of the way by the grace of God, and you can connect with God, then you haven't prayed at all. Brother Wright, that's negative. But people are trying. No. No, I don't try to not do my will. God has to work that in me, and I have to let him. I can't not do my will without God's help. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure, Philippians two thirteen. It's a work of God. But if I don't submit myself, if I go pray, but I don't submit myself to God in prayer, I haven't prayed I've only fulfilled a religious obligation. Again, going through the motions of prayer and or just putting in time praying is not prayer at all. The only one who gives value and credence to that religious effort is the one doing the praying. God certainly does not. Well, I've done my prayer today. Now I can go do what I want to do because I've, I have, I paid my dues today. I prayed. That's not prayer. That's not the attitude of prayer our our father is not seeking for those who will be who will give an effort he is looking for those who will be submitted to him and those that desire to do that which pleases him our father is god we are not we don't presume to tell god what we will do for him he tells us what to expect he expects us to do and how we are to do it and when we are to do it so that we may please him he is God alone. Hello? He's God alone. So I'm asking now, are we a praying church? Are we a praying church? I'm speaking of the church in general. Oh, I'm sure there are locations where people are there is a praying church. But is the church, the body of Christ in the earth, at this time a praying church. The number one biblical church growth method is prevailing, persistent, supernatural prayer. The number one. If I'm not doing that, any growth I have is produced by the flesh, and that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Every true church has been and is being built on and by that. Except a grain of wheat fall on the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. And what is death? Death to self, death to my will, and doing the will of God. First and foremost, the will of God is for me to pray. If I have not prayed today, I have not done the will of God today. And everything else I do today that I claim is spiritual is not spiritual at all. It's not. It's not any church that neglects or ignores biblical prayer as its primary growth church, growth method is growing something, but it's not a church. We can call it we can call it a church all we want, but Jesus does not claim it as His. Now, these are these are things I, I'm, I'm reading from things that God has spoken to me in prayer. Over the last 10 years, at least, various things. Not all of it, of course, but just some high points. The spiritual pioneers of the last day church prayed until they had a breakthrough. Today, we just plan. We break ourselves by wearing ourselves out and everybody else out by our planning meetings. Not our prayer meetings. We pray for 15 minutes and plan for three hours. Does that seem, really? Does that seem right to you? Is that, no, okay, 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 okay. All right. You can say, well, everybody prayed their prayer that morning before we got together. Fine. But they prayed as individuals. And even if they were praying for that meeting, they were praying as individuals. Prayer is different when it's corporate. Individually, male or female, we're all sons of God. Collectively, whether male or female, we're all the bride of Christ. And is there anybody ignorant of the fact that wives have more influence with husbands than sons? <sighs> Completely different relationship. So when we talk to God individually, we're talking to God as a son. When we get together and pray, two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst If any two of you agree is touching anything on earth, you'll have it of my Father, which is heaven. It's it's not that it multiplies prayer. It's a different dimension of prayer when we pray together in that same spirit of prayer. Prayerless churches led by prayerless preachers have have substituted program for power and entertainment for the manifested presence of God. Oh, that's hard, isn't it? It's not mean. No intent to be mean at all. It's true. So saying it is not mean. But it's hard to hear because it's so against our flesh. And so many well-meaning people have done this and thought they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. I wonder if the Lord is standing outside the door of our church knocking, waiting for admission like he is in Laodicea in Revelation 3. I wonder if he's standing outside the door of the, the predominant part of the body of Christ in the earth today trying to gain admission. I wonder. I wonder. We're all supposed to pray personally. We're all supposed to pray individually. But we're all also supposed to pray collectively It's two different dimensions of prayer. And so we come together. We do a lot of singing. And we may do a little bit of praying and a lot of preaching. But we don't do any real praying. It's not the focus. My house should be called a house of prayer, he said. Can I call the church I lead a house of prayer? Can I say that's the number one most notable characteristic of the church I pastor?" Or I lead. It's a house of prayer. It is part of our frustration, or maybe the majority of our frustration. That we're trying to make all this kind of stuff work. We're trying to market our church. And we're trying to program our church. And we're supposed to plan our church. And we've got all this stuff, whatever. But we haven't prayed and submitted our will to his will and said, Okay. What do you want to do? When do you want to do it? Who do you want to do it? How do you want to do it? Where do you want to do it? If it looks, walks, and clucks like a chicken, then it's a chicken, not an eagle. No matter how much we declare a chicken to be an eagle, It is still just a chicken. So it is with prayerless churches. Call it a church all you want. Put a sign out front saying church. But that still doesn't make a prayerless group of people a church. Neither does calling a prayerless person a preacher make them a preacher. Finally, will the real Church, the body of Christ in the earth, please stand up and pray. This world is in desperate need of a praying church, not an impotent, prayerless impostor of a church. How very terribly sad it is that our lovingly Heavenly Father has to take drastic measures to get his people to pray. When people should be when prayer should be our greatest joy and privilege each and every day. God is far more interested in us truly praying than he is in our comfort health convenience plans etc. We will pray voluntarily or involuntarily but we will pray. Pray we will. We're going to fall on the rock and be broken or the rock is going to fall on us and grind us to powder but pray we will. God is going to com- compel us to put prayer first in our lives sooner than later. If we don't change our lives, our plans, our schedules to make prayer our number one daily priority, then God himself will change our lives and schedules for us. I promise you, then we will pray. Prayer may not be our greatest priority for our daily lives, but prayer is God's greatest priority for our daily lives. Who, whose will is going to be done? Each day, each hour, each minute. Yours, mine, God's. To summarize, prayer is not a religious exercise or obligation. It's not dull, lifeless, or boring. It is vibrant, dynamic. It is true communication, fellowship, and partnership with the one who created the universe. It is supernatural and powerful, And can impact the world when prayed by those who have truly given themselves to him. Prayer is the primary ministry. and The foundation of all ministry. It's both the primary ministry of all of us that are believers. And of the body of Christ together. And it is the foundation of all other ministry. And the conduit for all other ministry. Any ministry that kingdom praying is not the foundation of. Will always be futile, and ineffective. Even if it appears that it's working for a while, God, out of his love, his love for us, will get our attention and say, this is not my will. This is not my way. Seek to please me. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for you and me today that the word of God, the spirit of conviction from God, the spirit of the word of God, the, the grace of God would work in our lives, hearts, minds, spirits, and open us up to see things from God's perspective and not our own, that we can truly be what he desires us to be in prayer. The remainder of these series of lessons we're going to talk about specifically how the apostles prayed and that they are our example of prayer because they learned how to pray from Jesus. God bless you in Jesus' name.